situation is. So you don't need to wait until you are ready to buy a property or invest in shares or whoever you want to build your wealth. You can work on your skill development and building your financial confidence regardless of the economy, regardless of your financial situation. That's what you can consistently be working on and feeling like you are building something towards your financial future that is not necessarily monetary in that point of time, like you're still working towards it. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Dash.Inside of the Home for passionate property investors seeking a life of freedom, choice, and abundance. And on today's episode, we're talking about freedom, specifically the three stages of financial freedom and why you don't have to be rich to be free. In fact, one of the biggest lies that we get told in the property industry is that you are only going to be free once you've achieved some great status where your income can be completely replaced through real estate investing. But in fact, there are three stages to freedom. And I encourage you to embrace all of them. Gabby and I dig deeply into this topic and we hope that you find it exceptionally valuable. I think it's a very important topic that we discuss and we talk about our mission and Dashdot as well to help 5,000 people achieve financial security, which is stage two, but we'll get into that in the episode. But before we get stuck into it, um, I'm pretty happy with the content in this episode and I think you will be too. So my only request is that you share this with someone that you think is going to find it valuable. So it's going to help someone. If you do that, I'll be forever grateful. So without any further ado, let's get stuck right into it and I'll see you on the inside. Welcome back to Dash.Insider. Gabby and I are here with you today to talk about a very exciting topic, the three stages of financial freedom. But first, before we get stuck into that, Gabby, how are you? I'm fabulous as always. How are you? Wonderful. Thanks. Um, As we record this, it is a Saturday and I've got to say, I'm a little fatigued, but thankfully, got a nice little cup of joe here ready to go uh, and ready to rock and roll. Plus fueled, fueled with the caffeine, aren't we? Exactly, exactly. Uh, but I'm excited about this topic. I really, really am. I've been thinking about this a lot lately. And yeah, it's been a topic that I've been ruminating on for some time. It's like, at what, like what allows any individual to be free? And I think that there's this belief and this kind of understanding or, or idea that in order to attain financial freedom, you must get to a point where you've got assets that can you can basically replace your income, right? And until you reach that point, you are inversely not free. So it's kind of like this idea that you can't be free until you have hit some quite specific and also quite large milestone. But I actually just don't think that that is true. And and so I got to thinking about it and I've kind of like started to think through three phases. Before we get into it though, Gabby, is there anything you want to kind of do to set this up a little bit better? I think part of why we decided to talk about this, right, is because we actually, this past week, we had our uh, trimester-based team day at Dashdot, right? Dashdot Insider, let's get a little bit insider. Um, <laughs> we had the team days this week where we just, you know, our whole team, there's about 60 or so on the team at the moment, you actually started pulling on this because we were talking about our clients. We talk about our clients quite a lot. And you started pulling on this thread and talking about these different, these three different stages of financial freedom. And the team were like, so many people need to understand this better because a lot of people come on board and, you know, a lot of people think about building wealth, but they think about it in a specific way. And then they think that they're in some way not you know, free. They think that they're trapped until they get to a certain stage. So that's kind of why we wanted to pull on this thread today. 
Yeah, and I'll take that a little a little step further. The reason we started having that conversation with the team is because, in fact, our mission is to help 5,000 people achieve financial security by 2033. And so then it's like, well, what does financial security mean? And where does that sit within the ecosystem of freedom? Does that mean like financially independent? Or like, what is that? What is financial security and how can we define that? And yeah, so it was really, really interesting uh, topic for us to, to tease out. And so that's our, that's our goal as an organization. That's our, that's our mission is to help 5,000 people achieve financial security, which is phase two. That's the second stage of financial freedom. And the big Even in a way. Yeah. Well, I know, but it's, but it's fine because we'll get into describing what all of this stuff is and we'll go into a detail because what's most interesting to me though is what these different stages can do. So why don't we get stuck? Why don't we just get stuck right into it and we'll start talking through the Let's the do that. Yeah. Okay. So the big idea is that there's three stages of financial freedom. Financial freedom is an overarching umbrella, which has three specifically different stages in it. And those stages are financial confidence, financial security, and financial independence. Now, the first stage is pretty interesting because it actually doesn't require you to have any investments or assets other than yourself. Because this whole idea of like, going back to what I was saying just earlier around this idea that freedom can only be achieved once you've crossed this specific and quite large precipice of like, I will be free once I replace my income. And it's like, well, why couldn't you be free now? Like, what is the specific thing that is stopping you from living your best life today? Why do you feel inverse to freedom that you are trapped? What is that? And so financial confidence actually comes down to, as much as anything, mindset and skills development. It's the, it's the idea that you can know within yourself that you have developed the requisite skills, characteristics, and attributes that no matter what happens, even if the shit hits the fan, you're going to be okay. You know, they could be some high value skills like sales, or um, it could be the, even just the fact that you know that you can work harder than anyone else you know, so that no matter what happens, you're going to be okay. And the reason that that can be exceptionally liberating is because you can actually have the confidence to know that if you're not liking the job you're in, that's cool. You're financially confident. You can go stand on your own two feet. You don't need anyone else to save you. That's a pretty big step to take. It's the knowing that you can do whatever you want to do. It's your choice. It's your choice to be in that job. It's your choice to live where you want to live. But if you wanted to choose something else, you could just go and choose it because you know that you've got all of the things that you need within you to stand up on your own two feet no matter what happens. And I think the people miss that. I think the people miss the fact that you don't actually need any of these other things. You don't need you know, a big property portfolio or anything like that. You need to have self-esteem and self-worth and the confidence to know that you have got everything you need inside you to be okay so that you can live your best life today. Because as you know, Gabby, and as we've talked about loads on this podcast, the whole purpose of property investing in our, from our point of view is to help you live a better life, right? But there's so many things involved in living a better life that aren't just real estate, right? <laughs> like, you know, and it really comes down to the individual at the, at the core. And that's why I think this first stage and this understanding of the first stage is such a critical factor. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, unsurprisingly, don't tell the other stages, but this is my favorite stage because 
I actually think not enough people talk about it. Obviously, there's a lot of people that talk about mindset and, and skill development and whatever. But as it relates to this, like our industry being property investment, so many people skip ahead to the later stages and the extrinsic, external, what can I do with assets and investments and that. And we skip the fundamentals of how do I build the confidence and empower myself as a human so that I don't have to worry about money again. And it, I, I will tell you this, and it's, there's a reason it's called financial confidence. It's like that amazing confidence that you have in yourself that I have got my own back. I am okay. The extrinsic stuff, the external things, the amazing wealth that I can build, that's awesome on top. But at the core, if everything turns upside down, I'm going to be okay. And that comes back to, like you were saying, the skill development and it's the building of yourself as an asset and investing in yourself first that you really need to start with early before you jump to like, okay, what property am I going to buy? Which suburb am I looking at? Just figuring out what skills do I need to be, what skills do I need to have to just be confident and feel empowered and safe in myself? Totally. A hundred percent agree with that because from that platform, then you can build all of the other stuff. And you may actually find, in fact, that you don't even, like, there's no rush to get to the other stages. Because what I tend to see, particularly with a lot of property investors, and particularly because, as you pointed out, so many people in the space jump to the final step. They say, ah, you will only be valuable. You will only be classified as having success once you've achieved stage three financial independence. And until then, you're just, you know, on the journey. It's like, well, what if you, like, hang on a second. What, what if the narrative was different? And what if you realized maybe you're 25, maybe you're 35, maybe you're 45. And maybe, what if you just realized that you were probably okay? That if the shit hit the fan and everything turned upside down, you can, you can just go do what you want. And you may have some, I would hazard a guess that most people have developed some skills in their life that are transferable, that they could go and apply almost anywhere in the world. Failing that, if you don't, then all you need to do is work on your resilience to know that you can work hard. Because if you can work hard, show commitment and discipline, you will never be jobless. Now, it's important to note that you are still going to be working in a job. You're going to be doing something to generate an income at this stage. But it can also be the most liberating when you realize that that you can have everything you want without having to cross these other hurdles. And then from that base, you can say, aha, okay, now I am making conscious decisions about my life so that I can progress to stage two, then to stage three at a time and a pace that is aligned with me living my best life. Because if all you are trying to do is achieve stage three, you may actually give up and sacrifice the things that make your life happy today. And that, to me, doesn't seem like it makes a lot of sense. Now, don't get me wrong. Financial independence, having the opportunity to never have to work for an active income again, and we'll get to that stage in a minute, great outcome. But you don't need that to be free. And so I think it's a, fa a fantastic foundation on which to build your pathway to wealth so that you can build from a place of growth and a place of confidence rather than a place of fear and lack, thinking that you have to get to there in order to get the thing you want. Does that make sense? Yep. The final thing I want to say on that is also 
you can work towards this stage and building your financial confidence no matter what your situation is. So you don't need to wait until you are ready to buy a property or invest in shares or whoever you want to build your wealth. You can work on your skill development and building your financial confidence regardless of the economy, regardless of your financial situation. That's what you can consistently be working on and feeling like you are building something towards your financial future that is not necessarily monetary in that point of time like you're still working towards it yeah i love that yeah there's almost no barrier to entry like if you can read a book if you can listen to podcasts if you can do any of these if you can like practice discipline like these are all things which are not necessarily no cost like in order to listen to podcasts you probably need a device (laughs) you know to be able to access they're not no cost but they're very low cost the barrier to entry is pretty low and which means that almost anyone can get to a place where they can start to really start to design their life and live their best life, which is really, really cool. So that leads us on to the next stage, which is financial security. So in this stage, and this is actually, I think, one of the best things that we can help our clients to do is to get to a stage where they've developed enough assets to know that if the shit we hit were to hit the fan, they've got a fallback, which is awesome. Now, this thinking sort of came about because what we noticed with our clients is that going from zero to one investment properties is a huge transformation. It's like there's a shift in belief systems around what is uh, possible. So that is massive. But once we typically tend to see that once clients get to about um, four or five properties, it's in that kind of range, there's a big shift, an unlock happens, a complete transition of their worldview because all of a sudden they know that no matter what happens they're going to be okay we often refer to that as hitting safe people might have heard that on the podcast before and that typically happens around property four or property five now to be clear then none of those people have achieved well very few of those people would likely have achieved in, uh, financial independence, as in their income from the assets are going to have be paying for their lifestyle so they don't have to work again. But what it does do is gives them a base so that probably if they do nothing else for the rest of their life, they'll probably be totally fine in retirement. It also means that they've put in the work and they've got to a certain point of asset value, equity value, like security where they can go, okay, now I'm going to go live my life because I've got assets working for me. I'm not working for the assets. And so we've had some you know, great stories of that. So uh, Amanda and Will were a couple of clients of ours who did that exact same thing. They got to five properties, if I remember correctly, Gabby. Their goal was to travel the world and to go and you know, hike the Pacific Crest Trail and do all this kind of stuff. They got to five properties before, I can't even remember how, how old they were, mid-20s, before younger than 30, got to five properties, bang off because they know they've locked in their, their 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 future. They're sweet. So now they can choose the jobs that they want, not the jobs that pay them the most. They can choose to live where they want. They can start to really shift these things, which again, you can do all that kind of stuff with financial confidence, stage one, but this gives them a, a, a newfound sense of security to know that everything's going to be okay. And an interesting way to think about this, by the way, is not necessarily number of properties, but it's to think about what level of security do your assets afford you? Which is interesting. And this is like, I was really chewing on this. Um, you and I recently uh, went on a holiday, Gabby, and this was one of the things that I was ruminating on uh, for some time whilst I was in one of my big thinking sessions. 
But the way to think about this, or a way to think about this, let me rephrase that, a way to think about this could be something like if your equi- if the equity value in your assets is enough that it can cover at least one year of your income if you were to fully liquidate them, so that would be like after any selling costs if it was real estate, or more, then you're probably in a pretty good position. Because then you could know that if the shit hit the fan, you could sell all your assets, not that that would necessarily be a desired outcome, and you could be okay for a year or more. Or two, maybe it's two years for you, or maybe it's three years for you. Like everyone's security is is subjective. And the interesting thing with this as well is that it also brings into the, the case that it could be in real estate. Real estate's probably the best way to do this. It's the fastest way to grow your wealth. You know, all of it, it's so much better than any other asset class, in my opinion. But it could also be shares. It could also be um, if you've got equity in a business, but only if you actually are able to sell that. Because a lot of people have equity in a business and they're not actually able to sell it. But let's just say you were working for a publicly traded company, right? And you had options and you were able to liquidate those at a time of your choosing, then potentially that could also be uh, a basis for security as well. So, you know, one year to me would be the kind of minimum for you to say, okay, we've got some security here. Because if you had, 10 properties and the total amount of equity you had in those properties was, you know, $10,000, obviously that's a made up scenario, then I don't know, I, I, I wouldn't necessarily feel any more secure. I'd just feel like I had a whole bunch of houses. Um, but if I knew that I had, say, $500,000 of equity in my portfolio, even if the income, even if all of those properties were cash flow neutral or even cash flow negative for that matter in the current environment, I would feel pretty secure because I have half a million bucks in equity in my portfolio. And that if push came to shove, if the worst, if something happened, something cataclysmic happened, and I had to fundamentally change my set of circumstances, I'd have the basis to do that. And I think this is pretty interesting. What are your thoughts on this stage? Yeah, I going back to the point about like the conversation we we're having with the team on team days. And really the mission with Dashdot is to get as many people to this stage as possible. Yes, ultimately we want as many people to achieve the third stage and beyond being financial independence, financial freedom. But this is kind of our mission of getting people to this point, this point where they can hit save and know that, you know, I was thinking of renaming the stage like the anti-shit-hit-the-fan stage (laughs) where you know that... Again, you've built these skills in yourself so you feel confident in yourself, but now you have this asset base where everything could go wrong and I could liquidate my assets and I would be okay for a while. Obviously, it's not forever, but it's for a decent while for things to come down and you to feel like you can re-ground yourself and get another game plan together. So getting clients to this stage helps set them up for the next stage, right? And I think this is part of why we focus so much on portfolios for clients and not just about properties. And I think that, I just think it's so important and so it's a responsibility that we have as service providers in this space to actually just do what's best for clients because people are coming to us and going, hey, I don't know what to do about how how to improve my financial situation. What do I do? It's actually negligible for us to, negligible? negligent for us to just say hey well, here's a property go and buy that and then not care about actually moving them forward because we don't actually know if that is actually moving them forward we want to try and get them to this plan 
I'm guiding them along the way to this point of financial security and the anti-shit hit the fan point where they have options, you know. They get to this point, they hit save and they're like, okay, what do I want from my life from here? And then taking the next step from that point. So I think, yeah, this stage is really, it's really meaningful to our business. 100%. I'm going to bounce off that because there's a couple of points that I want to make. So firstly, this is the value of having a portfolio growth plan. It is literally the value of having a portfolio growth plan because you can see what your portfolio is going to do over time and you can know with certainty where you are at. Another example of one of our clients, Peter Boone, he had a goal to, um, I, can't remember, I, can't, I can't remember exactly his income goal. I didn't actually prepare this case study, so to speak, to jump on here, but it was like 70K in 15 years or so- something like that. Don't quote me on those numbers. And we'd bought him five properties. And this is before we'd built the portfolio growth planner. And so we'd bought him five properties and everything was going great. He's like, great, what should we do? And I was like, well, let's just keep going. Then we did a portfolio growth plan with him. And then we realized that if he did nothing else, he was going to hit his goal. So at that point, box ticked, game changed. And then we were able to then go, well, okay, now should we shift the goal or what should we do? Now we up the goal. We said, let's let's get it to a higher income basis and get it to get it sooner. Um, and so that was really, really exciting to be able to see that. And that's actually the value of having a plan. And we see this all the time with, with people who have a plan versus people who don't have a plan. <laughs> you know, one, one, they're more confident and two, they're far more secure because they know what they're doing. But the other thing I want to point out about this stage is, again, a lot of people think that um, you know they're not successful in real estate till they get to the financial independence number. But I, I'm, I'm not going to reveal any names uh, around this. But I recently heard a story of somebody who'd built a property portfolio and certainly had not achieved financial independence, but they had a few properties. I think it was like you know, let's say four properties or something like that, um, which is about the hit save kind of number. And then their partner got cancer. And they were able to liquidate the portfolio and spend a few years focusing on the things that mattered. Happy to say there was a recovery, so this isn't a tragic story, right? But it gave them as a family the capability to go, this is more important right now. And if that isn't freedom, I don't know what is. Now, they are now back at work, building up their property portfolio again, doing all of that kind of stuff. But that is the kind of thing that security, financial security is going to give you, that capability to focus on what matters most when it matters most. And of course, none of us ever want a situation like that to happen. And so in a far better scenario, you're just setting yourself up for a happy retirement. Yahoo. But this is the kind of thing that you can do when you've got the basis built up. And that's why I think it's so important to get to this place where you've got security. It's in fact like... Obviously, again, financial independence, fantastic goal. But the point here is that you do, <laughs> you unlock so many choices in your life before you get to that point. Financial confidence, you can choose to live however you want. Financial security ups that game, gives you even more optionality, more freedom, more security because you know that you've set yourself up. And worst case thing, if the worst scenario, case scenario happened, you know that you can go and deal with that because you've got yourself set up, which is wild. Yeah. I mean, imagine imagine dealing with that situation, and this is what the majority of people, this is how it happens for the majority of people, but going through that situation and not having 
financial security. That's just the worst possible scenario that you can imagine being in as a as a human. So it's just, and I don't think people realize just how important building your own financial situation is because you're not going to earn your way to that point in just a job and not investing otherwise. It's just not going to happen. So if you don't take this stuff seriously and and work towards this financial security and then financial independence, you're just not going something for most people, something tragic happens in their life to either themselves or to someone they love. Like something happens within the 80, 90 years that we're on this planet something dramatic is going to happen and you want to be in a situation where when that happens you have options you have choice you have things that you can liquidate you can you have assets that you can use to benefit your life and to spend your time how you want to and it starts as getting this stuff right first like you need to take it seriously you can't earn your way to these points yeah bingo yeah you can't save your way to wealth it's just a fact you just can't do it and so Looping this back, so financial security is about building up enough assets so that you've got a base. Now, this is not income replacement, right? This is not income. You may you may be deriving some uh, surplus or you know peripheral income from these assets, but it's not the specific outcome that you're seeking. What you're actually looking at is what how much wealth have I created? Have I created enough wealth that either a I can just let time and compounding do its work, and I'm going to be totally sweet later on in life. Or B, if worse, if a worst case scenario situation happened and I needed to, could I liquidate those assets to give me what I need in my life to give me this freedom? A year, two years, three years, five years, whatever that looks like to you is a great basis to be. And getting to financial security is a huge step that can transform the lives of people everywhere, which is why that's our mission is to help, is to help as many people as possible, obviously get to the, get to this stage of financial security. Which leads us on to the final stage, which is financial independence. And I think we've kind of like touched on it here, but financial independence, that's the stage where your assets produce enough income, residual income, that you'd never have to work a job ever again. That's the idea. Now, the interesting thing here is that this is a variable uh, outcome <laughs> because depending on your cost of living, will depend on your what your financial independence number is. Because if your daily, if your household expenses per year are $250,000, you're going to need a hell of a lot more assets to cover that off than someone whose um, cost of living is $60,000 a year. But here is the interesting thing that people don't think about. They actually don't think about what the outcome would be if they didn't have to work. For example... Let's say someone's currently living in Sydney and they're working in a professional services job and they're earning, you know, two hundred thousand dollars a year and they're 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 living exp- their household living expenses with their kids and everything like that, uh, uh, and they, you know, in the car and everything like that is, and you know, the, the fact that they've got to live in Sydney to get to it, maybe their cost of living is one hundred and fifty grand a year, right? Or maybe their household income is like two incomes, you know, and they're doing three hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year, and their household in- and their expenses are like two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. The thing is. If they didn't have to work in Sydney and they didn't have all those peripheral expenses, they could change the cost of living pretty quickly. You know, maybe they could move somewhere else. Maybe they could move to a little beach town. Maybe they could move overseas. And so this uh, idea of financial independence actually needs to be anchored against also what is the specific lifestyle going to look like once you've achieved that number. 
because it probably isn't going to be as expensive as, as it is now. And so we actually have a uh, formula for that. Um, I've changed it. I've, cha- I've tweaked it a little bit, Gabby. We used to call it minimum viable life, right? Um, but I thought that, that sounded a little um, that sounded a little dry. Like nobody wants to have minimum viable life. And the reason we called it that um, is because we le- we you know we leveraged off a phrase in tech called minimum viable product. Um, and the, I shifted a little bit to minimum viable uh, freedom, which I thought is a is a better. W- yeah, better way for us. Better way for us to think. <laughs> a little bit of a better way for us to think about it. So here's how here here is how the minimum viable freedom formula works. It is basically your current living expenses minus any direct work related expenses. So that could include the fact that you need to live in a certain city to suit your work, right? But it could also include the second car that you need to have so that you can get to the office and somebody else could pick up the kids or anything that would would not need to exist in a stage where you didn't have to work again. So it's your current living expenses minus any direct work-related expenses times the average average annual inflation to the power of years to goal. Now, that might sound like a little bit of a complicated formula, but it's basically like... um, if you if the average annual inflation, not this year's inflation, but if the average annual inflation is is three percent, and so let's just do some maths together for those playing at home. Let's just, for example, say that your um your household income is, or your sorry your cost of living is a hundred thousand dollars. You would then do a hundred thousand dollars times one point oh three, which is effectively three percent, to the power of. And let's say you want to be financially independent in five years to the power of five. And then that would give you, I'm actually not doing the maths here, by the way. So I'm not actually going to, that, but that would give you your actual freedom number. Um, that would give you the target income that you actually need in order to become free. It's a little bit complex, but we can kind of like, I didn't mean to suddenly deviate into maths, but you know how I'm a bit of a nerd. Oh, I thought you were really happy because you were using your calculator on the podcast. Oh, well, I can use it. I can, we can go for it. Right, we can do it. We can, we'll we wait. can do this. We'll can, wait. You, can, you, can, you, um, can you put some elevator music on or can you kind of expand on the topic whilst I do that? Oh, no, hang on a sec. Right. So 100,000 times 1.03 to the power of five years to go would mean that your income, I should have been able to work this out in my head actually, um, your income would need to be. $115,927.40. Okay. But let's just say that your financial, let's say, yeah, let's just say your cost of living was not, in fact, uh, $100,000. Let's say it was $80,000. Then you would own, and let's say that your plan, your plan was to become financially independent in five years' time. You need to be able to get to a point where you can generate $92,741 of uh, residual income. And so this is a really handy formula that you can then work out. Okay, well, basically, what's my target? If you wanted to expand that out, $80,000 household income, but you're going to expand that out to 15 years, then your goal should be $124,637. That is basically your inflation-adjusted income target so that you can maintain the kind of lifestyle that you've got right now minus any kind of work-related expenses. So this is the idea of financial independence, but once you actually start thinking about this and start thinking about things like geographic arbitrage and stuff like that, you can really start to shift um, what your expenses might look like, obviously based on whatever your goals are and whatever is important to you. So this financial independence stage is is fantastic because you never, ever have to work again. And so this is really where you get the most amount of freedom because you don't need to show up for work anymore. 
So this is a great place to get to, but it's worth noting that each of the three stages we've spoken about gives you a level of freedom, the freedom to choose, the freedom to do what you want. They're just different levels of the same game, which I think is pretty liberating. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's cool. And again, part of why we wanted to to really break it down on the podcast was not enough people see it this way. People just shoot for that financial independence, replace my income, have a whole bunch of equity, wealth, whatever that looks like, and not realizing that there's two important stages kind of before that that you can work towards and feel like you're making progress because you are making progress. It's not just like so you feel like you're making progress. You are making progress. And just realizing they're like, okay, I'm at this stage now. I'm working towards my financial security. So I've just got that like I can just hit save, not have to worry. I can breathe a little bit and then I can work towards replacing my income. Like breaking it down this way, I think will help a lot of people, hopefully. Yeah, totally. I 100% agree. Financial confidence gives you the freedom to choose. Yeah, you're, you're the master of your own ship. You get to decide because you can stand on your own two feet, a sovereign individual. Financial security allows you to, gives you the freedom to follow your passions because rather than staying in a job just for the purposes of making money, you could actually say, okay, now that I've got myself a base and I'm okay, I've locked in my potential, what do I really want to do? Do I want to try and make money as an artist or what can I do? What can, what can I do instead that is going to be me following my passions? So the first one is freedom to choose. The second one is freedom to follow your passions. And the third stage, financial independence, is the freedom to live life on your own terms. But they're all stepping stones, which I think is very, very exciting because it's not just about chasing the end goal. It's not just about saying, well, I will only be free when I get to the end of stage three. It's like you've got, you've got stages of freedom along the way. And that, I think, is a journey worth acknowledging. So on that note, let's wrap it up. If you've enjoyed this episode and if you think this has been valuable, my only request is that you share it with someone. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to, you know, you can subscribe if you want. That'd be cool. But you know what would be way more valuable to us? What would matter really more to us is if you shared it with someone. Think of someone who you know could benefit from this information and from from these ideas and share it with them so that they can learn about this kind of stuff too because our goal really is to help as many people as possible. Gabby, nice to be chatting with you again. (laughs) You too. (laughs) And we'll see you on the next episode. Bye.